Yusef to come forward. Um, what a blessing it is to have someone of this stature, calibre in our church and that. And um, so, so let's give him a hand as he comes to share the word. What's up, church? <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to be here, you guys. It's, I've actually really missed being with you guys. And Rick, you're right. This house rocks and we really miss, I really missed being here. I was really um, blessed to be best man at um, a mate's wedding. And um, I've been going to Sydney like, every second week doing fittings and stuff like that and running things with him and stuff. And it's been really good and finally got married went off on his honeymoon, so that's sweet, that's done, so now I can be at home a bit more. So I'm really glad to be here, and um, yeah, and you know, Mandy and Sarah were showing off their clothes, so I thought I'd show off my clothes too. See my shirt? Actually, I wore this for today's talk, okay? I wouldn't normally wear horizontal stripes. <laughs> they, they don't agree with my body shape, but... I'm wearing this for, for my talk today. I don't know if you guys know, but this is the Western Sydney Wanderers, yes? No, okay. So they're a soccer team. <laughs> they're a soccer team. And yeah, they just, they just lost their, their playoff game, so they're out now. So, and it, yeah, it is, it's a bit sad. And I've got some props as well, so I'll, show, I'll share some props later on. But um, there's a reason why I've got this shirt on. Today, I want to actually talk about a passage that's very, um, I guess famous in the Bible, um, and a lot of people know it, and it's really powerful. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it's like as if, I haven't been here for ages, but it's like as if we were all talking together, because all the songs and stuff were about victory, you know, today, um, and then, you know, just oh, just the way, you know, we, we, we prayed just then, and just the way we're thinking, and it's like, you know, I've been here, and we had a chat about the service, but we didn't, and it's pretty cool. And that's what I really want to talk about today. I want to talk about victory in Christ and what it means. And we just had Easter, so I thought it'd be a little bit fitting. And it's completely different to what I thought I was going to talk about today. So I hope really that that really talks to us. So Romans 8 verse 28. So it says this, And we know that in all things God works for, those, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. Who died? More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, for we are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're just going to pray real quick, hey, before we get into this. So pray with me. Father God, I just wanted to thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that um, these kids are getting baptized today, Lord God. Thank you that all these things are happening um, in this church family, Lord God, and that you are having victory in this church family. Thank you, God, for our trials, for our hardships. Even in them, we thank you. We know you're doing something. I pray that today this scripture would just come to life and we would be able to live it every day. In Jesus' name. So I've never been a winner. Hey, never been a winner. The Western Sydney Wanderers are a perfect example. That's why I have this shirt on. Never been a winner. Some of you guys would know how much of a soccer nut I am. I'm a massive soccer fan. So I don't just back the Western Sydney Wanderers. I back this team in England called Arsenal. This is their jersey. I have a jersey for each team. See? I've even gone there in England to watch them play. And this is where, where, where I bought this jersey. I actually had my name, see, as is. Had my name done on the back of the jersey. Yeah, Arsenal are losers. <laughs> Pretty much. They suck, right? So it is, it is true. Shush, Joshy. Okay, so I, I stopped watching them for a while because I got so sad, right? And, um, and during that time, they decided, you know, to start winning again. They made it to, add to the, like the final of the biggest competition in Europe. And I was chuffed, hey. I was like, oh man, my team is back. I started watching the games again and everything. Now they are coming like sixth on the table and they suck again. They're playing so bad. It's all because I've started watching, I reckon. All because it's all got to do with me. That's right. It's all about me. You guys laugh, but the whole world revolves around me. I'm used to losing, right? And um, so I played soccer most of my life since, you know, before I was 10. I've never, I've won one competition, okay? And I don't even count that as a win, right? I'll tell you guys why. Out of that whole time, this one competition that I've won, I was 15, I think. The reason we won was pretty much because of this guy in our team called Paul, right? Paul was a South African guy, weird accent, you know, big boy, seemed like he was older than all of us, right? And every time we'd let a goal in because we were so crap, he would pretty much take it upon himself to make us win. He would run through the whole team, sometimes not pass to any of us, you know, because he didn't want to, obviously, and score just to get us the win, you know, and then we had this weird coach, he would chain smoke, a packet of smokes every game, probably stressed out at how bad we were. But, you know, like, so that was how we won the championship, you know. And so I don't really count that as much of a win. So, and I stopped playing for a while as well. Again, it wasn't actually because I was sad this time. Um, I just, you know, school and I wanted to concentrate on school. It wasn't because I was a loser. Um, so anyway, after I got married, I thought I'd, I better go back to playing soccer, you know. I better stay fit, go back to playing soccer. So I joined this team near where we lived in Sydney, right? Um, and yeah, we had a good bunch of players. We had a good bunch of players who started really well. And I thought maybe my losing days are over. We started off, you know, we won 4-1, then 4-3. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is going to be good. And then before long, we realized that one of the boys on the team had a real bad temper. He would, without fail, swear at the ref in every game and get himself sent off. We would be playing with one less player the whole game. And I don't know if you guys know how soccer works. Like, so if you get sent off, you can't play the next game. 
right? So, you know, we'd have him missing for the next game. We'd have to sub him in for someone else or whatever. But we didn't have that many players. and A lot of players would be missing and stuff, you know? So because our coach was a cheat, and this has nothing to do with me, guys, by the way. I didn't do, have any part in this. He would play that same guy who wasn't meant to be playing under someone else's name, right? I know, I know. This is living in Fairfield, Western Sydney. That's how things work. Anyway, the Federation found out that we were doing this and they took a whole bunch of points off us and we were guaranteed to come last that season. Yeah, so I thought we were going to win and we didn't. And we, we just stayed at the bottom of the table. Now, it was actually so hard for us guys to play knowing we were going to come last anyway. Like, our definition of success was to win, right? I mean, like, that's normal. Like, we just wanted to win some games, progress up the ladder. That's what we wanted to do. But that wasn't going to happen. So I actually struggled so much just getting to the games and just playing when I knew we couldn't really do anything. We couldn't really win. We couldn't really progress up the table. So that's until I realized that my definition of success had to change. Instead of winning the match and progressing up the table, I realized that success for me has to be something else. So I decided that I would consider success for me to be to just play well, to just play really well, play for the team, do better than I did the last game. And so the definition of winning for the whole team actually changed just so we can actually go to the games and play. And we went from thinking about winning the competition to just being better players, just playing for each other. Now, there's a reason why I shared all this with you guys, okay? We just celebrated Easter, all right? And I know, you know, Easter's a big time for us as Christians. It's a time when we remember that Jesus died and rose again. And it actually gives us victory in life. You know, just this truth that Jesus gave his life for us and rose again from the dead. Finally, I can actually be a winner. And that's what I really want to talk about with you guys today. So even though I've got my Wanderers losing shirt jersey on, actually it, talks, it speaks to me of winning, okay? And, and I'll tell you guys what I mean. I want to think about this, right? What is winning? What is victory in Christ, right? We have to actually define it for ourselves. Just like our definition of winning when I was playing in, in my team in Fairfield, you know, changed we have to think, what is our definition of winning as Christians? What is winning according to the Bible? I think as Christians, we get a little disillusioned with our relationship with Jesus because we feel like we're not winning. And what does it mean to be winners through Christ? As a Christian, what does it mean to have victory? Because we actually get twisted with the world's ideas of victory, the world's ideas of winning. Like according to my family, right, winning would be owning a house, having a steady job, living in the same place forever. You know, they don't like change very much, you know, being immigrants and everything. They've changed a lot. So they don't want to change, you know. And according to Kim's family, for example, you know, winning is working hard. It's a typical Vietnamese trait, right? Winning is working hard. Kim could never go to her mum and say and complain about working long hours. Her mum would just say, well done, you're doing really well for yourself, you know, because... Typically, Vietnamese people, winning is working hard. And I've, I've realized that since moving down here, that winning has a different definition as well, right? It's like people's version of success down here on the coast is like catching waves every morning, right? And taking the time out, which is, actually sounds pretty good to me. I think that's, that's been my version of winning lately as well. And like 
everyone envies the person who doesn't have to work five days a week. You know, here in, on the coast, we love the idea of just working four days or three days a week. And most people in our society consider winning to be comfort and convenience, you know. And we can sometimes perceive winning to be coasting in life, you know, to not have issues, not have problems, not have hardship, being well off, having everything go well. And I reckon some of these ideas actually start to seep into our relationship with God and we lose track. We start to have different definitions of winning than God, all right? So what is victory? Hey, according to the Bible, if we have a different definition to to God, we slowly start to think that He's not keeping His promises to us. And it's subtle, right? But we start to lose trust in what God is actually doing in us. Like He hasn't got this, you know? Like I better step in and take over because I can't trust that He's got me, you know? So I reckon the passage that we read just then, I think it sums up the definition of victory according to God, according to the Bible. So let's actually go through that. So verse 28, right? It, firstly, it starts off with the promise of victory, okay? Verse 28 says this, God works all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's the promise. God will use everything that ever happens to you for your own good. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's massive. That God's saying, trust me, I've got this. That's essentially what love is when all you care about is the benefit of someone else. And that's how God is with us. He just wants what's best for us, you know. But the difference is that He's God and He's actually in control of everything. He can ensure that everything that happens, happens for our good. Parents understand this, right? You just want what's best for your kids. God just wants what's best for us. Same thing. But he can actually make sure of it, that everything works out for our good. But what is our good, right? What does it mean for things to work out for our benefit? That's what I really want to get at. That's what I really want to answer. What is winning? And that comes in the next part of the passage. Verse 29, it says, For those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. The fact is, right, God's definition of victory or of winning is for us to be conformed to the image of His Son, for us to be more and more like Jesus until we have the same character as Him, right? It's not like, and a lot of people think this, all right, when I say this, but it's not like some weird futuristic sci-fi thing, okay, as where God wants everyone to dress the same, talk the same, like some weird North Korean communist thing, okay? It's not that at all, okay? What God is actually saying, He wants us to be like Jesus in terms of our character and our heart, who we are, what's important to us, how we respond to people and circumstances, what we care about, what we fight for, you know? The true definition of winning, according to God, is to be more like Jesus every day. Now, I can imagine, right, because I'm like this, that some of us almost rolling our eyes at that going, man, that's a cop out. You know, because I was hoping God's definition of winning wouldn't be for me to just be bubble wrapped you know, and to make everything go well for me. And I feel like that so much. I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes things can be so hard that our bodies just want to be comfortable. 
Our bodies just desire to be comfortable. But Jesus never lied to us, right? And the Bible never lies to us. Or Jesus never made us feel like everything was going to always be comfortable. In fact, he said, in this world, there'll be trouble. And you guys, it's, he's never actually shied away from that, right? It's not always going to be comfortable. But Jesus did say that it's all going to work out, though. He did say it's going to work out. He did say that it was all going to be okay because it's actually all shaping us to be the people he wants us to be, right? Because he didn't stop there. And so he said, in this world, there'll be trouble, but do you know how it ends, right? He said, in this world, there'll be trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've beaten the world. I've beaten every trial. I've overcome every circumstance, Right? It's all going to be okay. I'm in control. I've got you. I just, I'm just shaping you to be the person I want you to be. Now, if we were hoping that God's definition of winning would be that everything's always going to be easy, I want to tell you, right, and I know you know this already. Many of us know this just by experience, that none of us really want that. In the end, none of us just really want comfort and convenience. That's not the ultimate thing. People who have had comfort and convenience, they report this. They report this and say it only makes you happy for some time, but then it fades. Now, just to step back for a sec, if you're going through some real hard times, you probably just want to walk right up here and wring my neck. And that's okay, right? Because I understand, like, you might just want to be after some relief, you know? And some of us are going through those hard times. You know, some, some people in our community right now are going through that, those hard times. And that's, that's a good prayer to pray for relief, you know? And God does want us to have rest. And He does give us relief in the midst of our hardship. And we pray that, you know? In Jesus' name, we actually pray that. And God doesn't trivialize our hardships. He doesn't make small of them, you know? He doesn't make little of them. In fact, in our hard times, God understands us the best, like he's happy for you to be angry with him, you know. He's actually happy for you to question him. He's more pleased with us being honest with him than putting up a front, you know. And so he's actually there, right there with us in our hardships. So he doesn't trivialize them or make them small. And actually, like, as I say this, there are a few people that come to my mind right now. Like, you know, one of my mates, again, I was best man at his wedding. And I think, and he got married, I think, three or four years ago. And I think that was the last time I've ever seen him happy. He's, ever since his wedding, he's actually suffered with depression. And it's debilitating. He's been house-ridden. He doesn't go to work. He doesn't do anything. And, you know, we pray for him every day. And his case has just worsened, you know. And so I, I know, I know what it means, like, to have trial, to have hardship. So it was so hard for me to write this because I could just hear people's voices in my head, and especially my wife's, right, in my head going, oh, yeah, right, okay, you know? But it's, it's true. It's like we all do. We face hardships, but we, we're praying for those people. We pray for us. We pray for relief. But really, God has a plan for us in all those things, you know? I, I'm even thinking of another close family to us who's like, whose daughter, she's 15, beautiful kid. You know, we, no one ever deserves anything, right? But if anybody did, didn't deserve it the, the most, it's this family. You know, he's a pastor. She's everything. His wife is like amazing. She looks after so many foster kids and does everything. But their daughter, 15 years old, is fighting for her life in in a hospital bed, on a hospital bed, you know, just because, just because it happened, you know. She got lupus and then all of a sudden she's contracted all these sicknesses and she's fighting for her life today. 
You know, so it's, it's a big deal and it's happening all the time. People are always facing trials, you know. But I guess I'm not actually talking about that moment that you just need a rest. That's okay, you know. Just a bit of relief. That's okay. I guess I'm talking about our life goals, right? Like, you know, if your outlook on life is one where your ultimate goal is to have things easy, if that's us, then we've missed it. Hey, we've got the wrong definition of winning compared to God. Because God's definition is to make us more like Jesus, form us into the people that He wants us to be. And actually, if there's anything that can kill your inspiration, that can kill your love for life, that can actually kill your love for people around you the most, it's actually comfort and convenience. You know, like comfort and convenience will drain the life out of you, will make you dry, lifeless. Martin Luther King said this, and you guys know Martin Luther King. You know, he was a champion in the civil rights movement. In the end, he got assassinated. He had people that were actually fighting against him all the time, hardships left, right, and center. But he said this, he said, the ultimate measure of a person is not where he or she stands in the moment of comfort and convenience, but where he or she stands at the times of challenge. Like we need challenge. We need growth pains we, to grow us people to become more like Jesus, more into the people that God wants us to, to be. We actually need inspiration, right? We need something to inspire us to live. In fact, we need someone to inspire us to live. You know, and that someone is Jesus. To be like Him is the ultimate victory because He inspires us to be everything that we can be. You know, like, what inspires us the most about Jesus, right? It's love. It's love. It's how much He loved us. And, you know, I'm just going to say this about myself, is that He loved me when there wasn't that much to love. You know, and the Bible even says, it says, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. You know, there wasn't that much of me to love, but He loved me. And that inspires me to be like him, you know. And it's all over this passage, right? So from verse 31, it says this. What then shall we say in response to, do, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Look how much he loves us. He gave his life up for us. Of course, he give us everything else we need. You know, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. This is verse 33, by the way. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God is also interceding for us. Jesus is alive. Easter, but not only that, he's actually alive fighting for us today. That's what interceding means. He's actually at the right hand of God fighting for us. He's still loving us today, you know. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Look at his love. It's so real that nothing can actually separate us from it. Nothing else can be more real than his love. Verse 37. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're not just winners. We're more than winners. More than conquerors. Long gone and my losing days. Yeah? Oh, there's probably a few to come, but in soccer, but in life, I'm winning, right? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, verse 38, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus inspires us because He loved 
and loves us. And we can't help but actually want to be like Him because of His love. That's the ultimate victory for real. Actually winning is to be like Jesus. And that's what we really want. He's someone who inspires us, someone who loves us, who we can't help but want to emulate, to be like. That's real winning. Someone who inspires us, but not from afar, not because we watch him on TV and go, oh, that's inspirational. No, but because he's actually personally loved us. You know, he personally loves you. Like you can put your name in that, you know, and say, Jesus actually loved me. You know, that's what inspires us. It's that personality that he's actually loved us. That's what we need. That's what we actually want. Now, you know, in terms of like saying over and over that God definition of victory is for us to be like Jesus. Well, what is Jesus like? And I'm not going to get into it because that could be like a whole other sermon. But I want to say, if you're wondering about what Jesus is like, you know, and what God is forming us into. I guess like we can spend the rest of our lives exploring that. But He is so many things. Like the Bible says He's full of grace and truth. He's peace. He's so many things that our, our actual lives crave. You know, without us knowing that, we crave these things that He is. And we don't even know it sometimes. But as we read in the passage just then, He can pre- be pretty much summed up in this one word, in love. You know, and that's who he is. That's who he is. And that's who, what God is shaping us into. So for all of us right here, right now, we should really just think, do some self-reflection. Do we have different definitions to, of victory than God? Is his definition the way we see things? You know, ask yourself honestly, am I just like comfort, comfortable and can, uh, love convenience? Or do I really want to be who God wants me to be? Like, truth is, I actually ask myself this all the time because I'm often so way off. So way off. We have to have the same vision for our life as God does. And actually, as I was sitting there and the kiddies came up and, you know, they're going to be baptized today. I just thought, man, our prayer has to be for them, for our kids, that they would have the same vision for their lives that God does. You know, that they would actually want to be like Jesus as they get older. That's, that's the definition of victory that God has in mind for us, you know. So, you know, if you're sitting here today and there's something that comes to mind, something in your life that's been a challenge, a trial, a mountain to climb, you should just take heart. Hey, just take heart because God is actually making you a winner through all of that. He's actually using those things to inspire you, to challenge you using those things for your good to slowly mold you into the person that he wants you to be. He is making you like Jesus. That's pretty encouraging. To actually think that the God of the universe is thinking about me personally. You know, thinking about you personally and going, I really want to take the time to develop him. I really want to take the time to develop her. You know, God himself is like our mentor. That's pretty cool. I mean, like to have a, an amazing mentor is one thing. To have God as your mentor, that's a whole other thing. Like, that's amazing. Right? And that's what the Bible says. It says that God's Holy Spirit is our counselor. You know, God is our mentor. He just, he's just developing us. He's just using those things to morph us into the people that He wants us to be. And winning is to be more like Jesus. And I don't really have much more to say than that. But as I draw to a close, I actually, all these people in life that have, have inspired me, right, are people that have challenged me. And I'm sure it's the same for all of us. All the people in our lives that have inspired us 
are the people that have actually challenged us. If you think about the people in your life that were real change agents for you, who really spurred you on to be better, those people, they inspired you by challenging you, you know? And I hope you guys have like a movie reel going on in your head of all the people that have pushed you, right? That have really been change agents in your life, that have had an impact on you. And that movie reel plays in my head, right? I have a movie reel of people that have challenged me too. And here are a few highlights just to finish off of my movie reel, right? Of what, of what, of what plays in my head. I remember when I first met Kim, my wife, obviously liked her very much. Okay, yeah, I was kind of into her. But I was thinking in my head, right? I was thinking in my head, man, Kim's pretty full on. Hey, and if you've ever met Kim, she's pretty full on. And I reckon she'd kill my life, like in a good way. Like, yeah, I reckon she'd make me work pretty hard is what I'm trying to say, like, and not take any nonsense. And I reckon she'd actually challenge me a lot. And I, and I seriously then stopped and I started to think, I wonder if I can handle it, right? Like, I wonder if I can handle, handle her, you know? And I really, I really thought about that. And I was in contemplation, right? about this when one day my mum just walked into the room and just she said this saying you know in Arabic it's an Arabic saying and she said you don't want a yes girl like that all right and that's always stayed with me and it just came up as I was writing this as well and my mum was saying in other words you want someone who'll challenge you you want who'll make you work hard you know someone who'll actually inspire you not to stay the same but to grow and change you don't want someone who'll just say yes to everything and go along believe me Kim does not do that <laughs> ever since then that stayed with me you know like words of wisdom from my mum and I'm like now I know where that wisdom's come from right that that wisdom's come from God you know he's always challenged us and that makes our life worthwhile Another highlight for me, and this is where I end, and I'll never forget this one, is I remember my pastor, right, when I was younger, his name's Oscar, when he challenged me. I was a youth leader. Oscar knew a lot about my life. He was one of those people that kept me accountable, and he still is, you know. We talk a lot all the time about what's going on in our lives. And there was this one night when he just came up to me before church. He and I were actually about to run the meeting together, right? You could tell there was something that he wanted to tell me and it was weighing real heavy on his heart. And he just said to me that night, he said, bro, I don't think you've truly forgiven your dad for all that happened when you were younger, you know? And he said, as hard as it was for him to say this, right? He went a step further. He said that unless I go back and forgive my father, that I actually need to step down from leadership for a while. You know, I need to stop being a youth leader because it's a spiritual responsibility. It's a massive spiritual responsibility. We cried so much together that night. He's Latino, which, you know, explains a lot. Pretty emotional. We were a blubbering mess, you know, and we had to walk into church right there and then and run the meeting. And that night, I just wanted to lash out and yell at Oscar and deny everything. I wanted to hit him, you know, but I found myself just saying, you're right, man. You know, you're right. I, I think right now, as it stands, I think I hate my dad, you know? And that was so hard for me to admit that I had that type of feeling in my heart when I was really meant to be like Jesus. And I'm meant to have love in my heart. And I stepped down from leadership and I stopped doing stuff at church until I let God deal with that part of my life. And it took ages. It took a while. And that was okay. Oscar's that one person that inspired me. And the reason is that whenever we were together, we challenged each other. 
And that night actually changed my life. That was one of those moments, you know, when you look back in your life and go, man, that was a night that was crucial to me, you know, or a day, something happened that day that completely changed the course of my life. That was one of those nights. The people in our lives that inspire us are the ones that challenge us. Those words that my mum and Oscar spoke remind me of our relationship with Jesus. We don't want a God who doesn't inspire us, who doesn't challenge us, because that's what life is all about. That's living. That's living a victorious life, to be challenged every day to be more like Jesus. Even when the worst comes our way, God promises us it's going to work for our good. He will mould us into the people He wants us to be. What a promise. And this is where Easter really has meaning in our lives. So we know Jesus died and rose again, but are we willing to walk with Him? Are we willing to have Him challenge us? Are we willing to walk into the face of any trial and hardship of any circumstance, knowing that He's going to use it for our good? That's a hard question to ask. That's like taking up your cross and following Jesus. It's not an easy thing. It's a hard question to ask yourself. But that's reality. And that's victory right there is when God actually sticks to His promise and says, I will change you. I will change you. But through challenge. Um, I think what like pumps me up the most, right, about this, because challenge is not something that I go, yes, about, right? But what pumps me up the most is that one day I can spend forever with God, you know, and He's actually morphing me for that very day. And I have such a relationship with Him that I just think, that's all I want, really. You know, in the end, that's all I've got. So that's all I really want, you know, and we all get to that stage where we go, man, I just want that. I just want to be like Jesus so I can spend the rest of forever with Him. That's what He's gearing us up to. So why don't we pray? Father God, I just wanted to thank You so much for Your promises. Lord God, firstly, I just wanted to thank You that we as a family can come together and pray for the people that are sick and suffering in our family, in our community, in the world around us. And I thank You, God, that You actually care about everything that happens to us, every trial, every hardship. God, You don't trivialize them. You don't make them small. You don't think small of them. You actually know exactly how we feel. You've gone through Your share of trials. Lord Jesus, we actually pray in Your name that You would heal Jody, that You would support her, Father God, that You support the family and just bring them up, Lord God. Just give them victory in their lives. Father God, I just wanted to pray for the people that I'm thinking about, God, the people that are going through so many hardships and trials, for that family, Lord God, for my friend. I pray for anybody here with us today, God, that could be going through hardship, that might be finding it hard. I pray for rest for them. God, I pray that they could be honest with You, that could be just angry if they are, Lord God, they could be just expose their sadness and their sorrow to You if they are. God, I just pray that they'll be honest with You. But I know, God, You're going to come through and You're going to look after each and every one of us in Jesus' Name. But I pray for all of us here, right here, right now, God, that the most important thing for us would be to go, do I have the same definition of winning as God does? Am I willing to walk with Him? Because to have victories, to be more like Jesus, and you will make that happen through challenge. And I pray that we would be strong and we would lean on you, knowing that you've got a purpose for everything that happens in our life. I just wanted to call Joshy up here while we're still praying. Josh, you want to do your thing? Yeah, so I just, I just want to um, 
offer an opportunity now. If you want to know this Jesus that Yusuf's been talking about, if you want to, I guess, you know, this have this victory in your life and it starts with starting that personal relationship with Him. So if that's you, if, you, if you're new to this and you want to know more about Jesus, I just um, encourage you in a moment to raise your hand and we'll pray for you and we'll talk to you after and, and help you start on that journey. But, you know, I've said it many times here before that for me when I started that personal relationship with Jesus, when I accepted Him into my life and, and said, I want to do life with you, that's when I knew my life started to feel complete and whole didn't make life easier it still has its ups and downs like Yusef was talking about but I've had this wholeness in my heart that I'm, I'm full I'm content with who I am no matter what life throws at me and I just want to offer that to you today so if that's you I just encourage you to raise your hand while every eye is closed and head is bowed and we'll go on from there so I'll just give that a few moments Father God, we just thank you for who you are. Lord God, we thank you for that price that you paid for us on the cross so that we can know freedom, that we can know your love, that we can know your grace, that we can walk a day-to-day life with you. Father God, and I just pray that you help and inspire each of us to become more like you, Jesus, that you guide us each step of the way. Lord, we thank you that you carry us through those hard times. Lord God, that you show us the way you help direct us through that minefield called life. Lord God, we just love you and praise you. and We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in each of our lives, Father God. We thank you for that, Lord God. But most of all, we thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. That was a phenomenal word. Thank you, Yusef. Let's give him a hand. We're going to stand now, we're going to sing, and we're just going to worship. I think what Yusuf was talking about was so spot on, and maybe God wants to speak to some of us here, or He already is probably speaking, and we're going to continue that in worship. And I think what Yusuf said was really good about sometimes we can resist what, you know, God or God's been saying to us. Maybe some of you who are having that wrestle, and God just wants to settle some stuff with you now, even as we sing. So, yeah, I just encourage you to open your hearts. Thank you, team. There's no darkness in your eyes There's no question in your mind God Almighty God of mercy There's no hiding from your There's no striving in your grace. 